Welcome to the first season of Average Joe's Rawcast. My name is Joe Fuentes. I'm a husband, a father of two teenagers, a 17-year-old son and a 15-year-old daughter. Also a father of four pets, two dogs and two cats. I've been a nursing home administrator since 2001. I am a co-owner of Chill Pots, a paint-your-own pottery studio. A very cool place that my run my wife runs on a daily basis. So welcome to my podcast and here we go. Okay, so welcome back to another Rawcast. So I usually start out with the fire updates, so we will do the same. The Colorado wildfires and now also a Wyoming wildfire. So this is in everybody's face and everybody's lungs. The, if you'll have to excuse my voice a little bit too, I think my sinuses from the fire and just my throat are a little dry, so might sound a little scratchy more than usual, but we will get started with um, the William Fork Fire, and that's the one in Frazier. That's burned about 13,000 acres. That was 25% contained last time but it has dropped down to a 14% containment. There was a spot fire last Friday that popped up. So they firefighters had to go fight that to pop back up to 25% contain, or excuse me, to for, drop down to 14% contain. Uh, so we'll continue to follow that one. That's one Frazier, the William Fork fire. The Grizzly Creek fire, that one's 91% contained. Uh, there's been real no, no real growth in the last couple of weeks on that one, so continue to monitor. That's burned about 32,400 acres so far, but it looks like they're uh, getting ready to squelch that one out, so that's good news on the Gre- Grizzly Creek fire. Now, the uh, Pine Gulch fire, I updated you last time on that. I said it was 100% contained and no longer being monitored. That's still the case on that, so it is out. That is still the largest in the state. In state history, that's the largest wildfire, the Pine Gulch fire. And the total on that, it burned about 139,000 acres. So yeah, that was a big one. But here's the thing, the Cameron Peak fire, the one west of Fort Collins up by Red Feather, uh, it's on the heels of Pine Gulch, the biggest fire in Colorado. I mean, hopefully it doesn't surpass it, but It's certainly, that's where we're getting a lot of the smoke from. And we're also getting a lot of smoke from the Mullen Fire. That's a fire that's in uh, west of Laramie, Wyoming. So first I'll go over the Cameron Peak Fire, the one the west of Fort Collins. If you remember, that started on August 13th. And so far that's burned 126,251 acres. And as of today, it's 42% contained. Now, these, this Mullen fire and this Cameron Peak fire, they are now only a few miles apart because uh, the Mullen fire from uh, Wyoming has burned into Colorado. So I'm, I hope not, but I bet you those fires do combine here shortly because that Mullen fire has really been growing. That when the Mullen fire began September 17th, And it's already larger than the Cameron Peak Fire. So it's burned 151,711 acres so far, and it's only 14% contained. 
And uh, if you know anything about Wyoming, you know the how crazy the wind can be in Wyoming. And there's really rugged terrain where that fire is. And it's so dry. It's dry in Wyoming. It's dry in Colorado. So it's just feeding these fires. Plus, there's a lot of beetle kill in the trees. So if you've ever gone through the mountains and you've seen beetle kill, those it's just dry, dead wood. And I mean, it goes up like almost like straw, really. It really burns. So, um, yeah, combined those two fires, the Cameron Peak Fire and the Mullen Fire, they've already burnt 278,000 acres. So long ways to go with those two fires. Uh, we always keep the uh, firefighters and our thoughts and prayers and also the people in the uh, path of these fires. It's already destroyed. This is the Molin fire I'm talking about. It's already destroyed 29 homes. And uh, oh, let's see, I think it was 31 outbuildings. So it's had a lot of destruction just in the short time that it's been burning. The uh, Like I said before, the smoke is horrible here in northern Colorado. I have not seen it worse than maybe today. And uh, you know, we're getting hit with the California fires, now the Wyoming fire, all the Colorado fires. They're just kind of all hitting us at once. I mean, it's kind of like smoking two packs of cigarettes a day or something out here. It's just constant. And the sun looks funky from that cover of the smoke. And uh, uh, hopefully we get some relief from this stuff and it, you know, we get some rain and snow and um, the wind blows it up further. So, yeah, I will try to keep you updated on that. But, yeah, the Cameron Peak Fire and the uh, Molen Fire definitely are worrisome, especially those of us in northern Colorado. So keep you updated. Okay, so just on a personal note, I've been having a lot of low energy in the last few months and uh, kind of just haven't been feeling right, a little depressed. Uh just kind of wondered what it was. I finally broke down. I don't like to, but I went to the doctor. Actually, I had a Zoom with the doctor. And um, she ran a lot of uh, labs on me. And I got my lab results back today. And uh, the big thing is I'm low on vitamin D. That was about the biggest finding in there. And I was pretty low on vitamin D. And my doctor was telling me that actually that's kind of common in Colorado. She sees that a lot. Although Colorado is sunny a lot and we do get a lot of sun and we're higher altitude, toward, um, closer to the sun. She said she sees a lot of deficiencies in vitamin D. And she says that can cause a lot of fatigue and depression and that kind of thing. And also um, she says it can contribute to some weight gain too. So now I got an excuse for my uh, COVID-15 to 17. So uh, I've definitely put on some weight. Uh, I've been a little stressed out the last few months, and I've kind of contributed to that. But you know what? I'm going to blame my low vitamin D now, too. So I have something to blame. And uh, back to the weight thing. Uh, yeah, I've probably put on 15, 17 pounds, something like that. Um, just haven't been as active, just didn't have the energy. I'd come home and I was just sluggish and um, didn't feel like going out and exercising like I used to. I used to walk several miles and 
bike around the lake and that kind of thing. And, you know, when you're, when you're just beat, when you come home, you sometimes you just skip that and kind of get in the pattern where you're not going out as much. I'd have to force myself to go walk the dogs and stuff, but I wouldn't put on the miles like I used to and that kind of thing. And uh, so it's pretty funny on the weight thing. It kind of takes me back to when I was in high school. I worked at a car dealership with this old mechanic and he was kind of a, kind of a hick. He was, he was a pretty cool old guy though. And, uh, he would, uh, I, I went away for, I worked during the summer of my senior year, saved up enough to buy a car to go to college and that kind of thing. And I came back and I visited him probably after my second semester of college and I had put on some pounds uh, and he looked at me and he said, God, you wintered well. And that always stuck with me that I wintered well. So I thought about that when I put on my COVID 15 to 17 there that, uh, you know, it's not even winter yet and I've already wintered well. So hopefully I can do the reverse and take some of that winter weight off during the winter. So um, just a little update on that too. And also, um, they've been after me for years, every doctor I've had, and every time I've gone in, they've always been after me that I'm at high risk for a heart attack or stroke because of my diabetes and family history with my dad having a heart attack in his uh, 50s. And I think I had a grandfather had a heart attack in his 60s, maybe something like that, but puts me at the high risk. Uh, so they were always trying to put me on statins. I always fought it. I probably read a few articles on the internet that said the statins weren't that great or anything but this doctor finally wore me down and I guess I'm going to try statins so they put me on some Lipitor so I remember last time uh, I would say a decade ago probably I did go ahead and get on some statins but just made my muscles and my joints ache seem like so hopefully that's not the case now she kind of had me sold when she said that um uh, I was at the high risk for a heart attack. She said, if uh, there's 100 people and 20 of them will have a heart attack, you're in that group. So yeah, I've always been a lucky bastard when it comes to numbers. So broke down and uh, we'll see how that goes. So hopefully I can get my uh, vitamin D. They gave me a big old dose to take uh, once a week for 12 weeks. Then they'll do a blood test after that. So Hopefully that gets built it back up and then I can just do maintenance on it. So uh, if the smoke would quit blocking the damn sun, maybe I could get more vitamin D. But we shall see. So thank you. Okay, so I'll give a little nursing home update. Uh, I haven't gave, didn't give one, one last week, I don't believe. So I'll go ahead and give a nursing home update this week. We possibly are still monthly testing or maybe we're going to go to weekly testing. So got an email at work today, right when we're getting ready to leave, that there was uh, a company sends out the percentages on the counties. And if you remember, that's what we go by, the positivity rate in the past week of your county that you live in. And if it's 5% or over, uh, we do weekly testing. If it's, five per, or if it's under 5%, then we can do monthly testing. And then if it's over... Uh, 10% then we do twice per week testing so one report came out from the company that had it like at 4.6 and then uh, one of our regional nurses 
looked on the CMS website and I guess it was over 5%. So there's kind of conflicting reports there. So we'll have to get a hold of Weld County tomorrow and see if we have to do the monthly testing or we have to go back to the weekly testing. So um, kind of ironic, we're scheduled to do the monthly testing tomorrow. So I guess we'll be on track either way. But um, yeah, so I'm not sure which report we're going to believe. I know which one I want to believe. But hopefully we can just do the week, uh, the monthly testing, not have to go to the weekly testing. And as far as the indoor visits, uh, CMS, Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services, are really pushing the indoor visits for families to come. And uh, that's fine and dandy, but the state of Colorado is still requiring that negative test within 48 hours of a visit. So they every time that a person comes in to visit their loved one, they have to have a negative COVID test and it has to be within 48 hours of that visit. I think that's kind of stupid. If you look at it, the uh, why don't they go by the county too? Because why is staff testing monthly and the family members have to come in and they have to test every time that they came up, come in and visit? I guarantee you my CNAs and nurses and probably myself go out to more places and are at higher risk of catching COVID than a lot of the family members. A lot of them are older uh, people because, uh, you know, their spouses are in there or their uh, parents are older and the kids are older and they're not going to a lot of places. So guarantee a staff uh, has a higher risk of probably uh, bringing that in than the family members. So another government wisdom really doesn't make sense. And uh, yeah, speaking of government, hell, did you see the White House? It has an outbreak now. And it's not just an outbreak where I tell you before that the uh, CMS considers a outbreak one resident or one staff member. No, they pretty much do have an outbreak. I think I heard 13 to 15 people associated with the White House that work there are tested positive for COVID. So I ask you if the White House, who's pretty secure, pretty secure environment there, if they can't keep the COVID out, how in the hell are the nursing homes supposed to keep COVID out or the assisted livings or places like that? Um, the Trump thing. So, of course, Trump, uh, he went into uh, Walter Reed to get his treatment. And I don't know if you guys saw that doctor. Trump's personal doctor, but man, he shouldn't do press conferences. He came out there and they were asking about, has Trump, Trump been on oxygen? And he said, nope, not today. He hasn't been on oxygen today or yesterday. And they said, has he ever been on oxygen? Nope, he hasn't been on oxygen today. I mean, just continually, he made, he made it seem like he was really hiding something there. I thought it looked really foolish. I mean, it looked like he was very dishonest and was trying to hide something. There's, I mean, what's the big deal? So if he was on a little oxygen, say he's on a little oxygen and say he hasn't been on it since. I mean, why would you be that devious and make yourself look like that? And it really does look like the administration's hiding something and they're not handling it very well, it seems like to me. Uh, did you see that Trump also, so he was, his supporters are out front and they were, kind of doing their rally and I guess he sent out pizzas to him every 15 minutes too which you know that's cool and everything showing support for the one for the president you support 
I like that. But then Trump makes a decision to get in his car and get driven past the crowd so he can wave at them. Well, that's kind of stupid because guess what? Everybody that's in that car, I'm assuming Secret Service, they're all going to have to be quarantined for 10 days also because he tested positive. So I'm not sure he's really thinking this out. And uh, I kind of doubt that he takes advice from some of his advisors, honestly, because, you know, he is pretty arrogant and he kind of does what he wants to do. But uh, yeah, I mean, if this was a book or a movie, you probably wouldn't believe it that, you know, he was pretty downplaying COVID and then he comes up with COVID. So <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it can happen to anybody, though. So I don't really blame him too much for that, but um, it's kind of crazy. So here's the thing, too, I was thinking about as uh, far as government goes is we have surveyors that come in, you know, and survey us. And they've been in there before. And I told you a week or two ago, they came in for a COVID survey and we we're deficiency free. And but these surveyors, they do not have to be tested. And I just think that's asinine. They're asking the staff to be tested. They're asking families now if they want to come in and visit indoors to be tested. All of our hospice workers that come in, all of our physicians, our nurse practitioners, anybody contracted in, the dentists, they all have to come and show me a uh, negative test result in writing before they can come in the building. So they all have to, and these surveyors that go to multiple buildings are not required. Uh, when I was talking to surveyors, we, I think my DON asked them, you know, where do you guys get your testing? And they couldn't even tell us where they could get testing. So, yeah, they haven't been tested. Um, hate to tell them, but they do have a state lab that we use that they could get tested on. But, yeah, it's typical government crap. It's uh, the bullshit where, you know, the government's like, do as I say, not as I do. And we know that from, you know, haircuts and that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just foolish also, I did see that uh, the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, they changed their, uh, I think it was today, actually, they changed their stance on droplets now. And they're saying that small droplets can stay in the air and cause COVID and this and that. I think that's the third time they've changed their stance on um, droplets and droplet precautions and those kind of things. So, yeah, the, this is the fools that we continue to have to follow their guidance. Um, and they're telling us how to handle this stuff and they do not have a damn clue. So, uh, speaking of the government also is I, I've said this for quite a few years. I've always said the government's trying to shut down certain nursing homes and, uh, I don't know if they want to take them over or not. God, I would hope not because we know how they run the VA and we know how they run the post office and those kind of places. So God forbid if they would ever take over some businesses, you know, where you actually might have to meet a payroll and that kind of deal. But so uh, I know that with this COVID, I think it's going to give them an excuse to shut down nursing homes. And uh, I think they've already targeted some of them. And also some of these mom and pop 
nursing homes throughout the nation, there's no way they can survive this stuff. I don't care how, even with the stimulus money and that kind of thing. I mean, just with the PPE and the different stuff you have to have, especially if you do get COVID in your building, they're going to run these mom and pops out of there. I mean, just the policies and procedures you have to come up with and the bullshit they put you through, there's no way they can survive this. So there's going to, you know, they're going to thin the herd there. They're going to really have a lot of nursing homes closing. And, uh, you know, that's a lot of jobs for a lot of small communities and even larger communities. I mean, we employ, you know, uh, 100 employees, sometimes over 100 employees. And uh, we also have contracted people that come in. So that's a lot of employment that will hit a, uh, hits the facility and hit the town. And uh, they did, the government did come out and say that home health is what they're really going to start pushing. And uh, they've done this years ago, too. I remember there was a real big push on home health and, you know, keep people out of the nursing homes and that kind of thing. And I know they put a lot of money. Congress passed a bill with a lot of money going towards education and hiring a staff and training a staff and that kind of thing for home health to keep people out of the nursing home. Because, you know, it is expensive to put people in the nursing home. But um and you know what, maybe there is a better solution to the way that nursing homes are run today, but I don't think anybody's come up with it. There's people that out there that uh, have a need for a high level of care and home health just doesn't cut it. Assisted living doesn't either. You're going to have to have nursing homes. But my theory is that they're going to go and they're going to start taking some of the underperformers or the ones that they feel are underperformers and they're going to, you know, put so many fines on them. They're going to put so much constant pressure on them where they're going to have turnovers, no turnover in that facility. And eventually they're going to have to close the doors because it's just not profitable. You know, it's not run by the government. It's run by private sectors or, um, you know, not for profits that still have to make a profit to run a business. So they can't just uh, slough it off. They actually have to make money to meet the payroll and meet all their uh, demands that they have on them. So I think that they're going to th uh, thin them out even more. So let's say example in uh, our county, let's say we have, I'm just hypothetical here. Let's say we have five nurse homes in the county. They're probably going to try to close two of those down would be my theory. And uh, you know, the residents that can go to home health or can, uh, go to assisted living, they'll push them that way. And the rest of them will go to the remaining three nursing homes. So I, I've just kind of seen this coming over the years. I know people thought I was crazy, but um, with COVID and everything, I think it's just kind of going that way. And I don't think uh, there's much we can do to stop it. And nursing homes don't get the funding like hospitals do. I mean, hospitals get pretty good funding and um, you know, they can hire at a higher wage. So a lot of times they'll steal the RNs and people right out of school and that kind of thing, because, you know, it's a little more sexy to go work in pediatrics or something like that than it is at the nursing home. So yeah, if they, they can pay them better and, uh, you know, probably better hours and that kind of thing, just because of the funding. And also they don't have the survey scrutiny. We do, they have a thing called Jayco. And uh, basically they come in there and they tell you what you're, what they're looking at, what you're doing wrong and give you a chance to correct it uh, without much penalty or anything. So it's more of a collaborative thing. 
And um, I know the reason they have that too is because they have way better people in uh, that goes before Congress and schmoozes with them and, uh, you know, the PACs and that kind of thing, the political action committees. They have uh, a lot better people that go there and make a point with the uh, hospitals and that they need the funding and poor nursing homes. We have the uh, American Healthcare Association and like the Colorado Health Care Association. I mean, we pay our dues, but quite honestly, I'm not real sure what we get out of them. And I'm not sure the lobbyists are, I know the lobbyists aren't as good as the hospital ones because we definitely get screwed in a lot of these fundings and a lot of surveys and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, the scrutiny is always on the nursing homes, not on the hospitals and the hospitals, I guarantee you kill way more people than nursing homes do. So just infections alone, I'm sure. Uh, so they are on the surveys. They are looking now. CMS is really looking at activities, the psychosocial needs of the resident. And, uh, so they are going to cite and probably fine and, you know, put an actual harm on there. If they think that these residents have been affected by, um, you know, the lockdown and not having their psychosocial needs met. Well, you know what? Hey, assholes. Duh. You're the ones that shut the nursing homes down. You're the ones that said we couldn't have no visits. You're the ones that said we couldn't do communal dining. I mean, everybody has to eat in their rooms that can, unless you're a choking hazard or uh, you have to be fed, then you can get be spread out and socially distanced in a dining room. But otherwise, you have to eat every damn meal in your room, including snacks. Um, yeah, like I said, there's no communal activities. I mean, bingo is a big deal. If you've ever been in a nursing home, that's oh God, you cut out bingo and they'll come slit your throat. So, uh, you know, bingo, they said you could do hallway bingo and that kind of thing, but still it's not like going in the dining room and winning the prizes with everybody. And so they, it's it's pretty rich that they're going to look at us with this such scrutiny over we better be meeting all these needs and stuff when they've not let the families and the loved ones in and pretty much put them in a prison for all these months. And then they're thinking that, you know, nothing in those months have happened. And all of a sudden we need to turn this around in a couple of months. I mean, the staff has done the best they could and they've really become their families and, um, you know, We've all been kind of locked in together. So uh, that's more government wisdom there for you. And uh, it's just it's just stupid. But I'll keep people updated and kind of tell you the uh, how these surveys are going to go, because I told you before, the annual surveys are starting back up there. So uh, I'm guessing we're probably slated in the next three months, probably I'd say in about three months, we'll probably get our annual just kind of looking how they're uh, scheduling and that kind of thing. So I will let you know. And also on the, uh, whole coronavirus, the, uh, COVID-19, I've noticed that, uh, college, they're having a lot of scrutiny on, uh, college students, like, uh, even locally here, CSU and CU, I guess they've had some positives and stuff. And they're saying these kids are out partying together and that kind of thing. Well, no shit. I mean, can you really expect people that age in the college age group to stay at home and 
socially distance from each other and just watch movies and stuff? Hell no. I mean, you can't ask kids like that. Honestly, those college kids are really not that high risk of, I mean, yeah, they can catch it, but they're not at that high of risk of, uh, you know, uh, getting sick from this shit. They probably think they have a little cold and get over it in a few days. So with the college experience and that kind of thing, uh, these kids aren't going to do that. They're going to go out and party and they're going to do their thing. And you know what? I really don't blame them. Uh, and speaking of schools, um, I have two teenagers and my son, he's 17 and it's his senior year. And I mean this, I feel sorry for my son in his senior year during all this. That really sucks. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I, I don't know what to say really. I mean, we, I had a fun senior year and you kind of look forward to it. And that was your last hurrah and your last goodbyes with a lot of your friends and high school and that kind of thing. Well, I mean, they're, they're getting that whole experience just, um, uh, knocked out of them and not even having that experience. And, uh, you know, um, I'm not even encouraged Nam to go to college I know that might surprise people and that might sound bad or anything, but uh, I don't know if you really need that college experience. I mean, it's pretty expensive to go to these colleges and we've kind of proven that you really don't need to go to college to get a college education, haven't we? With all the online and that kind of thing. I mean, uh, I would even say, you know, college isn't for everybody. I would, I've even encouraged Jacob to uh, go to a trade school, if you wanted to do that, uh, you know, get it, get under somebody for mentoring. He honestly has expressed interest in the real estate uh, market. He wants to be a realtor. Well, hell, you don't need college for that. I mean, save your money. And uh, I told him just to get a hold of some realtors and see if you can shadow them and see if that's what you want to do. And, you know, maybe even get a job with them, work under them or something like that. But, um, you know, why not? If you don't want to go to college right now, don't waste the money. And really, unless you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or something, a teacher, something that really requires, uh, you know, a four year school where you have to have a degree from, wh why not go to a Votech or a night school to get yours or, um, my daughter, she wants to be a surgeon. She's wanted to be a surgeon for a long time. And hell, I'm encouraging her to first go to a junior college, you know, a two-year college. That's what I did. I went to Hutch Juco for a couple of years, got my prerequisites out of the way, and it was a hell of a lot cheaper. And then I went, finished it off at a four-year university. But, um, you know, on the trade schools, and I have friends that... Um, when I went to night school to get his electrician stuff and kind of mentored under his uncle. And I had friends that uh, went to the Votech school and they went to like telecommunications and you know what, they make a pretty damn good living uh, in those trade schools. So I, I definitely would lean towards that way. And um, like I said, with my son, with the real estate agent, hell, why not? The real estate market's pretty good around here. Or, you know, you can go anywhere with that. So it doesn't seem like it's slowing down. So that's a might be a pretty good thing. And I think he would be really good as a real estate agent because right now he's working at Dutch Brothers. And uh, I don't know if you ever went to Dutch Brothers. It's a coffee shop here. 
in Windsor and they're nationally too. I think they were started probably in Seattle or somewhere like that. Oregon, maybe, I don't know, but uh, somewhere on the West coast. And uh, he works at Dutch brothers. And I mean, he's a natural of that kind of stuff. He greets the customers. He's really good salesman and that kind of thing. So yeah, why, why waste your time and money on college if that's not for you? Hell, I would, I would even say join the military. Why not? You can uh, get your trade paid for there and um, learn a trade, get it paid for, then come back out and you have that military experience. And most jobs you apply for, you put that you have military experience, you kind of get bumped up, especially in the government, you know, postal or whatever. They always give you more points on your application if you are um if you are uh, from the military and you're honorably discharged. And, uh, you know, back to the uh, college thing and where they go out partying and, you know, people are, oh, God, that's so terrible. You know, this this virus has really kept a lot of people and, well, the, you know, the government and certain governments uh, and states, too, have kept people separated. And shit, now more than ever, I think we need people to be together. Um, you know, all these stupid rules that half the time don't make any sense or like the CDC, they change them every damn week. You know, why are we bringing people further apart? And, uh, you know, and technology doesn't help. You know, I hate those Zoom meetings and that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, they're good for certain things, but there's nothing like actually meeting together as people and seeing their expressions and actually kind of getting a feel for the room and, bouncing ideas off of each other. I mean, uh, you know, that's, that's a true connection. There's no true connection with Facebook or zoom or even texting or stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I think we're missing a lot of that. I think we're missing a lot of connection with each other. Uh, you know, there, all that causes is depression if you don't have that human interaction, but you know what, if you feel like safety comes first, then that's what they preach. And, it's kind of sad, though, because, uh, you know, I've ran into a few people even at work and different places. And, uh, yeah, safety's fine to a certain extent. But you know what? you got to live your lives, too. But it does seem like if you have a different opinion than people anymore that, you know what, you're, you kind of get treated shitty at times. I mean, some people get canceled if they have a different opinion. You can't have a different opinion with people and uh, express it, you know, and even in an honest and mature way and still people are pissed about it if it is, it's not what they think. And, uh, it's kind of funny at work, uh, a couple of months back, three months back, maybe we got this, uh, we got this page it was a whole page on phrases and words you shouldn't say or can't say at work. And I mean, ex for example, there was stuff like make America great again. You can't say because that's considered racist, I guess. And, you know, uh, you can't say that you don't you disagree with Black Lives Matter because that would be seen as racist. I mean, I think all that shit is foolish. I mean, what what's you know, why are those phrases like that? Why do people feel that they uh they're racist and you can't say different things. And I think they, uh, big thing about it is they kind of put a damper on people's relationships that are of different ethnicity and different uh, races. I think, 
I mean, how damn honest of a conversation can you have or a friendship can you have if you got to watch every little thing you say? That's, that's not true connection. That's not true friendship. You shouldn't have to watch every little thing you say about something. I mean, I, th- I really think they do a disservice to people. Um, you know, if you're watching everything you say and uh, we're not stupid people, we know how to interact with people, but I think they're putting a division in some of these workplaces and other places. I think they're putting a division between people because they're making people so damn self-conscious of what they can't say anything. They can't even speak their mind. They can't have fluid relationships. They always hope, oh, oh, can I say that? Oh, is that politically correct? I mean, what a bunch of bullshit. I mean, everything we say is not going to be perfect. Is, is, is everything you say right now to your friends perfect? Hell no. Uh, my friends, I say all kinds of things and they say all kinds of things to me. And you know what? It's cool. And uh, they're not all sensitive and stuff like that. And that's another thing, too. And, you know, in my opinion, everybody's just way too damn sensitive um, kind of said that in my very first podcast, kind of like with the Mexican word of the day, changes the Hispanic word of the day or whatever, and thought some people might not like that because they're so sensitive. But, you know, uh, I make it a point, honestly, every day to try not to be so sensitive. I try to not be offended. But uh, anymore, it seems like uh, you talk to people and they look for reasons to be offended. And you know what? You can come up and you can find reasons to be offended. Absolutely. Um, You know, anything somebody says, you can look at certain things and say it's this kind of a meaning and be offended by it. But why? Where does that get anybody? That's not open and honest dialogue. It really isn't. That sets people back. And uh, it kind of reminds me of the old back... uh, few years ago there was a big sexual harassment trainings and you know there were big emphasis on sexual harassment and stuff and yes I absolutely totally agree I mean I've been a boss for 20 some years I I totally agree there should not be tolerated there should not be sexual harassment in the workplace or anywhere else but uh, I also think sometimes they overblow that stuff too Uh, you know they some guys that usually it's guys, you know, that get accused with the sexual harassment. They don't even know what to say sometimes to women. They can't have any open or honest dialogue either. Or, you know, it could be considered sexual harassment. So, um, you know, on a side note to that, I've said this before, but I've never seen a uh, good looking guy accused of sexual harassment. Now that's a true story. I've never have. It's always been guys that aren't that great looking. So I'm not sure if there's true sexual harassment that's always reported or if it's just some guys are more annoying that you don't want attention from. So I don't know. And plus, early in my career, uh, when I was a social worker in nursing homes, uh, I was sexual harassed. I guarantee you. I mean, I never reported or anything, but uh, they with the trainings that I've gone through, I guarantee I could have reported sexual harassment, but um, that's a lot of years ago, so we won't go there. But no, it's uh, just kind of my rant for the week. I guess I kind of got sidetracked here and just kind of went off, but um, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Okay, so my 
final segment for this nice Monday night is my Hispanic word of the day. So my first Hispanic word of the day is contract. Contract. My poodle has a nose like a bloodhound. She contract anything. Okay, so my second Hispanic word of the day is hairstyle. Hairstyle. My friend dresses like a slob. I don't like hairstyle. Okay, thank you, everybody. Another fun podcast. Um, Everybody have a great week. Hopefully this damn smoke gets out of the air a little bit so we can breathe again. And look forward to talking to y'all next week.